Hello, friends. It's Sarah Gump. Welcome back to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Today's guest is one of a kind. Although he is only a sophomore, he has made such an impact on our campus. This past summer, Rufus Matthew had an amazing experience with the United Nations. Hear his journey on this episode with your host, Mark Weinstein. My guest today on the Cedarville Stories podcast is Rufus Matthew, a sophomore at Cedarville University studying computer science. Welcome to the podcast, Rufus. Well, thank you so much for having me, sir. It is always a delight to be in your presence. When I first met you last year and every time I see you on campus, you always bring a smile to my face and all those people who are around you. I believe the people who listen to this podcast are really going to enjoy your story. Uh, You've done a lot in your short time on earth. Um, But let's get to some easy questions so people can get to know you. First of all, where are you from? And why are you studying computer science at Cedarville? So I was born and raised on the small, beautiful island called Bahrain mm-hmm. off the coast of Saudi Arabia and Qatar. Um, that's when my family moved from India there. And I lived there for most of my life. I moved around the Middle East a lot, but that's where I was uh, lived most of my life. And the reason I chose Cedarville's uh, computer science program is because of three, four reasons. Uh, so three reasons. Number one was... They just have an amazing academic excellence in, in the program. I'm on the cybersecurity track. So that, that means CW University is one of the 20 institutions in the country that has NSA certified academic excellence for cybersecurity. Correct. And the only Christian university. And that in itself is a big incentive to choose CW University or a lot of universities in the world. Second, CW University is, when they promise to be Christ-centered, they're very Christ-centered. And that was really attractive. No matter what you did, whether it was corresponding with me through email, through phone, there was it was always very biblically focused. Okay. And that was very attractive. And finally, Cedarville University gives amazing scholarships <laughs> and money. So I was like, wow, they do offer good scholarship for students. And those are the reasons that made me come here. Okay, so now Bahrain, as you said, is off the coast of Saudi Arabia and Qatar. So it's not a suburb of Dayton or Columbus. So it's a far, far away. So how does someone from that part of the world hear about Cedarville University? Um, I found Cedarville because I Googled the best engineering colleges in the country. And Cedarville just popped up in the top 30 um, because our our undergraduate engineering program is just amazing. Um, So I just looked at it, looked it up, and I just kept searching about Cedarville more. And uh, I found some really good pictures that Scott Huck had taken. And I always, whenever I see him, I tell him, like, I've never visited Cedarville. And the only way I saw Cedarville was uh, through Scott Huck's camera and his lens and his eyes. So I, I'm really thankful for um, the pictures that he has on Cedarville website. Well, that's a great story and a great tribute to the great work Scott does. Mm-hmm, definitely. I can't wait till he hears that. So last year in a newspaper article, you were, you were talking about the, the high quality, in fact, you just mentioned it, the high quality of the computer science program, Okay. Now you've been in the program a year and a quarter. Yeah. Um, what experiences have you currently experienced as a student mm-hmm. that reinforce that belief, that understanding that Cedarville does have quality computer science? Yeah. Um, in my, within my very first semester, I very quickly understood why Cedarville University Engineering Program is so high ranked and why we have almost 98.7% placement rate because the academic programs are so rigorous. Mm-hmm. It immediately enforced the idea. I always ask myself, how come this university is so high ranked? Um, it's because like, our academics are super rigorous. And through all my classes, whether it's calculus, 
whether it's uh, programming classes, whether it's a DLD, it's very evident that those classes will push you. They will push you till the edge. Uh, but the good side of it is that the professor is very willing to help you with it because of the smaller sizes of classroom, the professor is always there to guide you through it and other resources on campus will help you. But I, my idea of why Cedarville University is so high ranked was immediately reinforced when I entered the program. So from talking with you in various other settings on campus, I know you're a creative type person. Uh, you spent a year traveling throughout India yes. recently. You developed an Android app called Sudis. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And you were the youngest person to be a representative to the United Nations Youth Assembly. So I want to unpack those three aspects uh, in the next few minutes. So what motivated you to take a year and travel throughout India? So even though I was born and raised in the Middle East, my family is from India and I've never lived there. So I wanted to take a year off before I went, across, went through with my education and my career to just take a year and just travel across India because I've heard so many stories. I've visited India every summer to visit my grandparents, to live with them, uh, to understand their life, uh, to enjoy life with them, take vacation. But I've never lived there. Mm -hmm. To live in India is a different thing than to visit India. Uh, you experience so many different cultures, languages. Sure. Through my one year across India, I still have just seen a little bit, very tiny little bit of this vast ocean of difference of language, culture, tradition, um, and that was just a big motivation for me to just explore the the country. So was that year trip between years after you graduated from high school and before you started at Cedarville? Yeah, you're right. Okay. Precisely, where did you go in India? What were some of your highlights from your trip? Okay. So um, I started off by going to Kerala. Kerala is uh, the south part, southern part of India. Mm -hmm. That's where my family is from. Okay. So I went there, uh, visited all my extended family so a lot of them, I lived, lived with my grandparents for a little bit. Um, and then I went to Bangalore, which is the tech hub of India. That's where it's like the Silicon Valley okay. of the U.S. Um, so that's where I was. Uh, I had some family there. So I talked to them for a little bit. And that is where I had this idea of creating the app come into my mind. And uh, I was like, I have a computer and I have enough time. So how can I use my time in Bangalore, the tech hub of India, to use, it, use my time better? And that's how I got the idea to build an app. And then from Bangalore, I went to Delhi, where um, I have family in, in the army there. So I lived, I lived with them a couple, couple of months, and um, I, I got enough time and discipline um, to develop the application properly. Okay. And I credit a lot of my, uh, a little bit of whatever discipline I have in my day-to-day -day life to my time in Delhi. Because living in an army setting, you learn... How, how to eat quickly, how to wake up early morning, how to sleep early, uh, how to manage your time well. And that those are all really good lessons that I apply in my day-to-day -day lives. Okay, so on this trip is when you created the app. What, what's the purpose of the app? Okay, so the app is basically to find personalized marketing. Uh, for example, the world is moving to a very shared economy in which we have Uber to share the world's vehicles, Airbnb to share people's houses. But... There is nobody at this very moment who is using an Android-based or an AI-based application that will help you find the right personalized influencing. For example, imagine Cedarville University's hot song goes to Michigan and they want to, they want to advertise it. Now, they can pay a lot of money and put it on a newspaper 
or give put ads. But the thing about ads is that people don't like ads. Like nobody likes ads. Um, then we have this motivation of influencers. Influencers is when there is people around the world who have some product with them and they will share their personal experience about using that product to the people around them. For example, if I'm an influencer, I will there'll be this big brand that gives me a product and I will share on my social media my experience of using this particular brand. And the people around me will look at me and be like, hey, this man actually likes this product. Let me check what it is. Sure. The thing is, there is no way to find localized influencers. So when Heartstone goes to Michigan, they will immediately open up the app and there are three screens. It's very simple. They will type in Heartstone space Cereville and every single influencer in the area who has ever expressed interest in Cereville or Heartstone will pop up on the map. And when you click their profile, you will immediately see what kind of, like, what, whether, whether they post on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and how much they charge. And, where you, and you can immediately, like, personalize it. And people like anybody, like, in college life, I can relate way better to a college student who I know personally, rather than somebody who has a million followers in California telling me about Hot Song in Michigan. Like, I just don't, I just don't care. I can't, I can't relate to him. Correct. So that is why we, we created Sudas. Have you been able to learn if it's been effective? Yeah. Two things that, that I, I want to mention about Sudas is, number one, we did, uh, so Cedarville is starting an entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship accelerator program. Right. And we are right now talking uh, to the director, Dick Blanc, and uh, Kyle Peterson, and we introduced our idea in the pitch, and we'll do that again in next spring. And one, once they have the official program set up in the spring, we will definitely enroll our program there because we really want to go forward with the idea as soon as possible. Well, that sounds great. I, I'm sure you'll, you're going to be very successful and I'll look forward to seeing how that uh, process unfolds. Let's move to the United Nations. Yes. So in 2016 or 17, I think it was 16. 16, you're right. Uh, you were the youngest representative to represent a country. You represented India at the United Nations Youth Assembly. What were some of the roles that you performed and what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, so I was part of the uh, UNYA that year and I basically was at the UN headquarters in New York and we were talking about the SDGs um, and we researched and we, we were advocates for, I was there for the conference for about a week and a couple of things that we did that um, I, I learned and I, I was able to input my own idea about was number one, um, about eradicating poverty and how many countries do not think that's a very big deal um, because a lot of poor countries that do not have enough money or food are countries that are under dictatorship or they have some kind of um, civil unrest and they do not have enough resources for every, every person in the country to spread across. That is when that is where a big, big organization like the UN or a big country, powerful, prosperous country like the US comes in and gives them aid. But the problem with aid is that the more you give people aid, the less they have in the, the the less incentive they have to work and produce their own product. Right. Uh, the best example I always give is Haiti. A lot of the the world's developed countries have been giving Haiti money for decades now, but the country still is dependent. That is because there has been so much aid coming into the country that the local farmers, the local businessmen, have not been able to uh, develop their market, and this has destroyed the economy within itself. And they're always dependent on aid. So instead of aid, what we discussed and what I proposed, um, along with a lot of my colleagues, mm -hmm. was 
to always create a system and institution and to place strong institutions within the country that will help small businesses grow and prosper and small farmers grow and prosper okay. and to create good network systems that help transporting goods to various countries because transportation in itself is the lifeline of any economy or trade within a country or local region. For anyone who has followed you, we know that a common thread in your life is the United Nations. Okay, so you, you, you served this in this role as a 17-year-old. Last year, as a student at Cedarville, on the Model UN team, you competed at the United Nations in New York City. This past summer, you did an internship at the United Nations. In fact, you were one of only 17 college students across the nation or across the, across the world? Across the world. Across the world to be in this selective group. What lessons did you learn from this past summer's uh, United Nations experience? The biggest lesson I learned, and I always tell this to people who ask me the question, is the UN is very big. It is huge. Uh, it's really complex. And it works on consensus. So it has to make 193 countries agree to what it's going to propose. That weakens the UN's role in many, many forms and fashions. And during the internship, we had a couple of days in which we did field service, okay. in which they took all 17 of us, divided us into two groups, and sent us off into field experience work, in which we, we worked at um, soul soup kitchens and um, volunteer services. And during one of my ex volunteer experience, my, my second time, I was at this uh, volunteer experience, and I was handing out hygiene products um, to people. And when I, I remember the exact moment I was just handing out this product to this uh, man who came up and um, immediately struck me. The UN is this huge, big organization that's really powerful. When the UN calls, um, a lot of countries come together, influential people come together, athletes come together, billionaires come together. But this soul soap in this small part of New York, they are the ones who make sure these people don't go to bed hungry at okay. night. And I think that that was the biggest lesson I learned. Mm. The UN is really big, really, really powerful to invite people together. But if at the end of the day, if you need to see live action and if you need people to get their day-to-day -day needs met, you need the help of civil societies and NGOs at the local and national level to carry out what the UN is proposing. Do you recall some of the colleges or universities that had representatives this, at this internship besides Cedarville? Yes, um, what so, were some of them? Um, so we had UC Berkeley. Be the, uh, UC Berkeley was there. We had students from Yale, um, University of Lund from Sweden. We had students, for st students from Harvard and students from Princeton. Uh, we had students from a student from U National University of Singapore, uh, a student from Delhi University in India, and we had a student from Georgetown in Washington. Those are the names that I remember right now. So you have all these known universities across the world. Uh -huh. Then you have Cedarville University. What did you think being the representative from Cedarville with those other schools represented? Um, honestly, it, it was um, it was really fun. So whenever you go go into an event in which they are, we are, we're being hosted and the speaker comes in, they always ask us where we're from. Right. And everybody starts naming their university and then, and then it comes to me and I'm like, Cedarville University. Uh, there are some speakers who are very kind. They're like, oh yeah. Cedarville University, I'm like, you have no idea what that is, is do you? <laughs> <laughs> and, then there, and then there are some speakers who legitimately want to know more about Cedarville. Yes. So we're like, oh, tell me more about Cedarville. Yeah. So I, I, I tell them our mission statement um, very briefly, just be like, 
you were Christ-centered university and right. doing engineering. And of course, there were some uh, panels in which the peop- the speakers from were from different countries. They were working in the UN, but they were people from Sweden or Norway or Italy. And to them, Cedarville is almost on the same level as Georgetown or on the same level as UC Berkeley because they have probably heard about Harvard and maybe MIT or Caltech, but they, they don't necessarily know universities like Georgetown or Dartmouth or um, Cornell. So when I say Cedarville, they're like, wow. So they basically think Cedarville University is an Ivy League university. Oh, that's, a, that's, that's <laughs> a cool story. So during your summer, were you able to meet any famous people? Yes. Who did you meet? <laughs> so my very first Wednesday there, uh, Bill Gates. Really? Yes. Uh, he was there uh, for an event called Save the Children, and he was um, giving out money um, to uh, to give adult education, um, to make parents go to school so that they realize the importance of girl education and not sending girls, and ma- not just marrying young girls off, but to give them education. Then um, I got coffee with the Prime Minister of New Zealand, Helena Clark. That was really fun. Um, I met with the um, you know, UN spokesperson, uh, in fact, the UN spokesperson was a really good mentor of mine while I was there. The UN spokesperson, he basically mentored me. Um, there's the UN briefing every day that happens at the UN. Right. And it's, it's, it's a closed meeting. But I talked to him for a couple of days in the beginning when I started my internship and uh, I expressed my interest. And at, at the end, he was like, hey, Rufus, so do you want to step into the briefing? And I was like, yeah, like, of course. And... I was able to go into the briefing and the security guards saw my ID and it was an intern ID and they were like, yeah, you can't go in. But he was like, no, he's a student. He's with me. Let him in. And he did the same thing for me uh, for like my whole term there. And every day I sat into the the main press briefing at the UN in which I heard so many things, um, a lot of things that was going to happen. Like there, there were some um, questions about anybody who listens. Um, there were some questions raised about uh, Kashmir, where India and Pakistan okay. are are having some conflicts. And those were questions that were raised five to six weeks prior when I was in the meeting. And I could see it unfold slowly when I came to Cedarville. And I, and I heard in the news that this has been happening. And I was like, wow, I, I heard about this. Like there were press briefings about this is going to happen. So that was really a blessing to be at the very friend levels of the world stage just unfolding and how international diplomacy diplomacy is carried out and it was a very humbling experience what a great opportunity that obviously only 17 students could experience it this summer will you have an opportunity uh, in future years to go back yes um so i my director did did um express an interest to bring me back again uh, but i will not be an intern i'll be an intern director Okay. Associate director, so I'll be one of the people, one of the three directors who arrange the intern programs, um, have panelists over, um, arrange the meetings, day-to-day activities, schedules. I still haven't accepted it yet because I want to keep my door open, my window open. But it's an amazing opportunity, and if um, there's a high likely stand that I would take it. Uh, what a what a great opportunity! Thanks for sharing that with me. Oh, Rufus. thank you so thank you for asking, sir. So. Um, in relation, to, in relation to the United Nations, how are these experiences preparing you for your life's calling? Mm-hmm. We've personally had this conversation many times. We have. Um, I feel my life's calling is to represent Christ on the international stage. 
And I say that because I was born and raised in international environments and that gave me an international perspective. And when I, when I was at the UN, I met with people, delegates from Iran, from Pakistan, from uh, Syria. And these are people that I wouldn't normally meet. And they were willing to talk to me because it was a world stage in which you talk to everybody. And I feel the Lord has called me to represent him at an international stage where there is people literally from all around the world, from all around the world, people with power and influence back in their country. And when I talk to them, interact with them at the UN, I might not be able to share the gospel explicitly to them, quoting the Bible. But if I can live out a life that's Christ-like, mm -hmm. and when they go back to their country, whether they are prime ministers or ambassadors, when they go back to their country, and if they see a difference in my life, and they think about, oh, that man, that um, boy, what there was something different about him. What's, what did he do? Mm -hmm. I hope that is a change that I can make. It, it's it's a wild, it's a wild, long ambition, but that is my that is a small dream that I have in my life. Rufus, that's a tremendous God honoring ambition. How did you come to faith in Christ? So my family has been Christians for a couple of generations now, mm -hmm. um, and my family comes from Southern India, where they have a large concentration of Christians. Uh, but whenever my family moved around, they always made sure I was plugged into a good church. Mm -hmm. So I always went to Sunday school. I went. I had um, our kids gathering, our middle middle school gathering, and a high school gathering. Um, it was my tenth grade when I was um, in Bahrain that during one of our Sunday school lessons, um, they were teaching about Daniel mm -hmm. and his um, sacrifices that he had to make, mm -hmm. and the way he stood up against. Um, powerful kings of that land and the Lord blessed him greatly and the Lord was with him through tribulations and trouble not just in the good times and Daniel believed in that and because I had a, I had a background of believing in believing what the Lord has done mm -hmm. and how he he literally gave up everything to save humans because he loved us and we can never repay him um, I just stood there wondering why, what, why is my center something other than the person who loved me and will love me no matter what I do. Mm -hmm. Why can't that be my center? And that's when I got saved. Uh, we have a huge um, gathering when the Logos ship comes to Bahrain. Okay. Um, it's, it's the largest Bible library in the world and it's on a ship. And it was in the gathering that um, one of the uh, leaders, uh, I talked to him and um, I, got, I got saved then. So um, in your, in India and in where you lived, it's not the norm for people to have relationships with Jesus, is it? It is not. Statistically, it's very improbable mm -hmm. for you to be a Christian in almost every country I've lived in. So you have a great opportunity, should you ever go back, to share the gospel? Definitely. Um, so my, my circles, I had multiple different circles. So I have a big church circle, a lot of uh, people from church. But because of my involvement with school activities mm -hmm. and um, gatherings in the neighborhood, I have a lot of friends who are not Christians, a family who are not Christians, and, and we have a mutual respect. And I always get this comparison um, from parents um, stating, because Christian models always stand out. And I think that's, that is a very good testament to have, to just live out a Christian life, no matter where you are, and that will in, in itself attract people to you. So I, I asked you the question, how is the experiences with the United Nations helping you prepare for your life's calling. How is your time at Cedarville preparing you for your life's calling? 
<laughs> so Dr. White has a saying, thousand days, right? Right. Um, a student at Cedarville will spend thousand days at Cedarville. I think Cedarville's size, sir, is amazing. So Cedarville being almost 4,500 students is not too big and it's not too small either. If you think about it, any organization in the world is that same size. So anybody who wants to have leadership qualities can develop it immediately because Cedarville is ranked third in the nation for student engagement. Second. Uh, second. Uh, so every single student at Cedarville, if they want to be engaged on campus, if they want to go out and develop their qualities of speaking, of leading, of, uh, of mentoring, of praying, writing, engineering, whatever it is, they will get the opportunity to do that. And that is what I feel Cedarville is doing for me. Number one, giving me the opportunities to develop the small skills that I have. Um, second, giving me I mean, enough people in the community that can, you know, honestly, everybody has a bad day um, who can give me a hand and be like, hey, Rufus, like, get up. You need, you need to keep moving. Uh, you, can't, um, you can't rush around today. Um, and finally, definitely the education that Cedarville is giving me from a christ center perspective by going to chapel every day. In fact, like Dr. White was talking on uh, Friday and it was, I think, one of the most important lessons I've, um, I've learned this semester from chapel is you should never long for a day in which you are not doing anything. Like never long for a day in which you are like, oh, that's it. There's nothing to do today. That is not your calling. That is nobody's calling. Like you have been called to live a life that it's full of schedules, of schedules, of um, of interactions, of intertwined with life. And I think that's a very important lesson I learned. So we've talked in this podcast a lot about the United Nations because that's a lot of, of who you are and what you've done. But I want to transition to more campus life. Um, how else are you involved in campus life? So I'm, I was in, I was in class council last year, and that, that taught me a great lesson, a great lead on um, being a good leader. And Brian Burns, the campus director, he, during one of his um, Bravo Zula principles that happens every Friday, he spoke these profound words, and I will never forget them. You should always prioritize the people over the organization. Right. And that's going to make the biggest change, the biggest impact. And people will feel they're important, and they will work harder to improve the organization. And that was an important lesson I learned. Uh, this year, I'm an RA in the hall in the door in McChesney. So... Um, it's an amazing experience. It's totally different from class council. Class council was um, organizing events, putting up events, like being very active, being very hype, learning people's names and calling them out, uh, being very joyful. RA is the same thing, but at the same time, you also have to be very passionate and calm and be ready to listen to heartbreaking, heavy stories at 3 a.m. in the night and give them advice and counsel. And honestly, like it's a huge learning curve. Uh, there are sometimes I'm like, man, like, I wish I could help you, but I just legitimately do not know how I can counter this problem with you. Mm -hmm. And that's when I have to call up my colleagues, my colleague RAs or my RD and ask him about advice. So that's been a huge live um, learning experience. Um, but the most fun part, um, so I'm, I'm involved in the debate and the model UN team. Right. That's just uh, things that I like to do. Right. That's like public speaking or think, critical thinking. Um, but the most fun thing that I'm super engaged and super passionate about at the U at Cedarville is being a tour guide. Uh, What's a tour guide? So a tour guide is a person. So Cedarville has a lot of family members, individuals that come and visit Cedarville on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. And they need students who who know Cedarville and who can uh, take these people around campus and share their personal experiences about Cedarville. 
at the sh- same time show them different buildings uh, academic programs about zeroville um so and i love doing that so much um i i give tours a couple times a week and it's just an incredible opportunity and it's completely voluntary so you know everybody who's a tour guide just loves to do it because they love zeroville and want right. to share their personal experience right now schools do the tour guides differently you know what you, what kind of a tour experience you get at Cedarville might not be what you get at another school. One thing that sets Cedarville apart from my experience is when you're given these tours, you're walking backwards. Yes. Can you walk backwards and talk <laughs> about campus? Yes. Um, that was really funny. Yes. Uh, so the first couple of times you will fall, you'll trip, you will hit into the run or something, but then you will eventually get used to the the trail. So right now when I start walking backwards, like I automatically know which direction to turn, when to turn. Uh, so it's really fun. There's always this one mom or dad who's like, are you sure it's okay? I'm like, yes, mom. Thank you so much. Why do you walk backwards? Or, or not just you, but why do the tour guys walk backwards? We just want to have that uh, personal connection with the family. It makes a huge difference when you can talk to them because the crowd might, it could be from uh, ranging from just a small family of five people to a crowd of like 27 people, okay. depending on the day. So when you're talking to 27 people, if you look straight up and talk, nobody at the back can hear you. So to make it much more useful and productive and uh, effective, we turn around and look at the audience and talk to them. And it's easier for us to point to the various buildings too. That uh, this is the building, this is the this is the student center, this is where students come in. It just makes uh, much more it, it imp- impact on giving a tour. We have time for a couple more questions. Um, in a story written about you last year, you were quoted as saying, and I quote, Cedarville University is the best place I could be when I applied, I did not expect to be this engaged, but I love being involved. The people I met here have changed my life. As an international student, I can truly say that I am at home here. Do you still feel the same way? Yes, 100%. Um, there's, there's no doubt about it. The amount of opportunities I've received at Cedarville is in, incredible. Like anybody who's been at Cedarville can always testify. If they wanted an opportunity, like they would get it. Mm-hmm. There is like heavy, because Cedarville, like, pushes excellence in effort, if there's a heavy, healthy competition, what would you do? But the good side to that is, Davis, there's always people who mentor you, to train you, to become better. And at the, at the end, I said, I truly feel at home here because the people I've interacted with from day one, like I've just ran into so many brothers and sisters in Christ who are upperclassmen, uh, people who I can just call up in the middle of the day or at night and just have a good conversation with them. Um, and it's just been a wonderful experience to have upperclassmen mentors, um, to have sisters I can just look up to and be like, I you know, being having a mom close to you is a huge difference. But there's always a good, um, heavy family feeling when you have like brothers that you can be like, I do not know what to do in this situation. Help me out here. Right. And of course, um, uh, people like, I have so many upperclassmen friends who come up to me, like, are you having a good day? And the way they ask it, it's very sincere. Like they would stop what they're doing and like listen to what I have to say. Right. So that, that's been a really big impact. And I all, I'm pretty sure that's what I'm going to keep experiencing all throughout my Cedarville journey. I'm sure it is. So how often do you see or interact with your family? So I talk to them almost every day. Um, I, um, at least every two, uh, every, every two days because uh, that is a culture thing. You have to talk to them every day. So I talk to my mom, my dad, my sister, um, at least every two days, just talk to them about my life at Cedarville, what happened at chapel today. And they watch chapel live. 
Good. So that's really fun. Yeah. Uh, sometimes my mom will text me like, hey, Rufus, did you hear that in chapel? I was like, yes, mom. I was there. <laughs> my last question, Rufus, and, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. What is your greatest memory or your most memorable event from your time at Cedarville? Hmm. I have so many memories that's coming to my mind right now. But I think the very first moment I realized this was the place I, ha I am to be. Like, this is exactly where, this is where I'm supposed to be was during the homecoming weekend okay. when I saw every single event done for that done for the homecoming whole week was purposefully meant to connect students with alumni. And the fact that Cedarville's alumni love giving to Cedarville and love being at Cedarville, even if they've graduated, shows the importance of what Cedarville is doing, of having Christ in the center of academics, campus life, dorm life, the importance of having chapel five times five times a week, the importance of having academic excellence by pushing students towards the edge, and the way alumni respond to Cedarville's calling is them calling back home. When they're back at Cedarville, they're truly back at home. Mm. And that was the moment I realized this is exactly where I want to be, and this is what I want to be a part of. Mm. Well, you're very much a part of the Cedarville fabric and the culture. Um, for the past year, I've enjoyed to get to know you just a little bit, and I really enjoyed our time together on the podcast, and I wish you nothing but the best as you continue your education this year and uh, go out and make a difference uh, for the kingdom of Christ. Thanks for spending time with me today. Thank you so much for having me today. Have a blessed day. Thanks, you too. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. You are encouraged to share, like, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.